Well, I love all the Christmas songs. I love this time of season and, and just, uh, just hearing all of the, the different ways of sharing that Jesus came in this time of Advent. We remember that, that, that he did come and that he came in the most miraculous of ways. And, and that's part of the series we're in right now is just hearing these different voices of, uh, of, of just really the, the perspectives of Christmas and how God had promised this child for generations. And we've heard from the prophet. We uh, last sermon heard about the priest Zechariah, who shared about uh, his perspective through his son who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And then today we're going to be hearing from uh, both Elizabeth and Mary in that story. But, but before we start that, just um, to remind you all, as kind of as, as Steph had shared, we have the ability to share uh, this Christmas story to use our voices to really uh, share the light of the world with people in this season. And tonight is just a, a fun and easy way to do that. So just to give you an overview of tonight's caroling event, what to expect. It's going to be slightly different from years past. And so we do invite anyone of all uh, ages and uh, you know, your ability to move. Um, please come if you feel like you can't be out there uh, walking around and caroling. We still want you to come. It's a great time of fellowship. So we're going to start by gathering here, singing a handful of songs together. And then as you're able or interested, uh, depending on how many people are here, we want to really just uh, carol to people in the, in the neighborhoods here and uh, really spread that, that Christmas cheer with them. And so depending on how many people come, we might split into two or three groups and just uh, you drive your own car to park and then walk around. So dress appropriately for that, knowing tonight uh, you'd be outside for, for maybe 30, 40 minutes. And then when you feel like you're done, uh, then we're going to come back here and have a time of fellowship and just uh, share cookies with one another. The children will have an activity uh, that will start later. Uh, so at the time we'd come and gather for cookies, they could do their own little craft tonight as well. But again, if you want to just come and sing and go straight into the basement, we want everyone to come regardless uh, of where they're at. But to give you an expectation of, uh, of what tonight's going to look like, the other thing we're going to do is just hand out little gifts to the houses we might visit, uh, the neighbors in our, our neighborhood. Give them a little gift and a, an invitation to come uh, to the Christmas Eve service this, this Friday as well. So it's just going to be a wonderful time of outreach in our community. We, we hope that you can make it to that tonight, 6 o'clock. But getting back to, to what we're going into here now, the sermon, uh, the voices of Christmas. Uh, one thing we learn from the scriptures, and especially from the Christmas story, is that uh, God views things very differently than we do. And we put a lot of constraints on, on God uh, but by our own understanding of how the world should work and the, the things that we value, especially in people, uh, the ways we raise one person above another is not the way God looks at, at people either. And we often give attention to the powerful, the influential. Uh, God is one that does not overlook the meek and the humble. And he gives special attention to the humble, those of faith. And he works typically through them, the normal people, the lowly people. And today uh, we see that there's an interaction between these two uh, miraculous mothers that by all, uh, by all means are, are pretty unconventional, if you, if you will. Uh, we have Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist. And we, we kind of studied the story of Christmas through the father, Zechariah, a couple of weeks ago. Now we're going to hear from the mother, Elizabeth. And as you know, she's an old and barren woman who at this point is now six months pregnant. 
And she's going to have a conversation with Mary, who is young and a virgin, yet still pregnant. And both of these are carrying these miraculous children who will uh, really reshape the world forever. And there's this wonderful interaction between the two where each of them shares this spirit-filled song and these, these u- unique perspectives we're about to read. So if you're not there already, uh, open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read this interaction and talk about these two songs that are shared between these mothers. But let's take a moment to pray together before we read and discuss uh, this scripture. So Lord, we thank you for uh, the Christmas story. Uh, God, how wonderful it is, and at times we can take it for granted that these things just kind of happened. Uh, But we're going to be reading through both Elizabeth and Mary in this perspective of kind of realizing what's happening as it's happening, knowing that this is going to change the world forever, and knowing it's all because of your great grace and love and mercy and faithfulness uh, to us. And so, God, I pray that you would just speak to us in a new way today. And as, as in this Christmas story, when there's, it seems at times that kind of nothing is happening, and then all of a sudden everything is happening at once, uh, God, we know you work the same way in our lives today that behind the scenes you're, you're piecing all of these things together, that you, you have this good and perfect will, that if we just have faith in you, God, that our lives will be blessed, uh, knowing that you have something you're going to do that only you can do. And so, God, today, I just pray, speak to us with your Holy Spirit, that we would be uh, just uh, revived in our faith and our joy in all you've done and have yet to do. And we pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to read uh, verses 39 through 56, Luke 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. So there's a lot that just happened uh, in this interaction between these two 
unconventional mothers. Uh, and it, to, to really understand, if you're kind of new to the Christmas story or need a, a brush up, we're going to do a, a kind of a Cliff Notes review of what had just happened before Mary packed up and went down to Judea to see her cousin Elizabeth. And what had happened uh, just a few days before this interaction was Mary being visited by the angel Gabriel. Right? This is the same angel that visited Zechariah and kind of dropped a bomb on him of everything that was about to happen in his life. It's the same angel that visited Joseph that encouraged him to stay with Mary and, and go through with the marriage. But I'm going to give you kind of a four-point uh, cliff, cliff note overview of everything that happened to kind of appreciate all that is going on in Mary's mind right now and consequently Elizabeth's mind as well. So the, Abriel, or the angel Gabriel told Mary, first, you have found favor with God. And what that means isn't necessarily that, that Mary had done something to deserve something from God, but rather that even as a sinful woman, that God is choosing her for something very special. Now, Mary was a very good and faithful woman, but she was not perfect, right? So this is something she's being told, not necessarily that you earned this by any sense, but God is choosing to do something wonderful through you. You found favor with him. Now, that by itself would cause any of us to kind of uh, wonder what's, what's happening. And so what she's told next is that she will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, Mary at this point is young. She's not married. She's still a virgin. And so there's this kind of confusing moment for, for Mary in verse 34 of this chapter. She says kind of like, okay, but like how is that going to happen? Because there's like one important piece to that puzzle missing, right? It's not a matter of if it will happen. It's more how is this going to happen? And that's where the angel tells her the Holy Spirit will place a child in you. God's going to take care of this whole thing. And there's probably many things uh, circling through her mind at this moment. First, probably, is how am I going to explain this one uh, to, to Joseph, to my family, to the town? I right, talk about an unplanned pregnancy. So she knows that she's going to be pregnant, and then he goes on to tell her, it's just not going to be any ordinary son. This is going to be a, a son you're going to call Jesus, right? which means Savior, Deliverer, Rescuer. He's going to be called the Son of God. He's going to be greater than the King of David, and his kingdom will never end from generation to generation. So what he's saying to her is this Son is going to be the promised Messiah. And Mary knows God well enough, knows the Bible well enough. She understands uh, specifically what the angel is saying here. Okay, so this is another moment of not only like this Messiah that we've been talking about for thousands of years. Yeah, he's coming right now, and he's going to be inside of you, and you're going to give birth to him. So it's this moment of just like life-altering uh, information, right? And then the icing on the cake is your old, your very old and barren uh, relative Elizabeth. Yeah, she's been pregnant for six months, kind of in the same way that God promised this child to her. And so you should take that as a sign that nothing is impossible with God. So he's going to work this way through you as well. God's word never fails. And so there's a lot that's rolling through her mind. And what we read is that at once, or at the time that the angel told her all this, she, she just packed up and left and went down to Judea to see 
her uh, relative, Elizabeth. And this is probably four or five days away, around a 100-mile trip. Now, that's not even fun to do in a car, but now she's, she's walking the whole way down to see her Elizabeth, her, her relative Elizabeth. And as soon as she walks through the door we just read, the uh, baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leaps at the sound of her greeting. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and shares the song we're about to study. Now, being uh, pregnant for six months, you know that a baby moving inside the womb is not something uncommon. But this, for Elizabeth, would have been totally different. Right? And it coincided directly with the arrival and the greeting of Mary. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit and shared uh, a song, as we know, in, in verses 42 through 45 that we just read. Now, in the Luke uh, chapter 1 and 2 uh, stories, there's actually five songs of Christmas. And by song, we don't necessarily mean like something set to a tune. Uh, we don't know. It's probably unlikely that they're actually singing these songs with a tune in the scripture, but it means these words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit that are speaking through people. And consider these kind of the, the original Christmas carols, if you will. And what we see through all of these, we're studying all of them in this series. Uh, we, we did the Song of Zechariah, the last sermon. We're going to be doing both the songs of Elizabeth and Mary today. Christmas Eve, we're going to study the songs of the angels. And then on uh, the 26th, we're going to talk about the song of Simeon. And all of them see uh, Christmas through a different lens. And Elizabeth's song is really a song of rejoicing of what's happening through her relative Mary, that everything is uh, coming exactly as has been promised through the years. And so we see the first point of this in verse 22, is that she's genuinely and joyously celebrating what God is doing through Mary. And she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And the word blessed is used uh, a few times in this song. And and typically when we think of the word blessed, we think of uh, being fortunate resting in, in God's favor, and that's favor. That's typically how you would uh, interpret that word. But it actually has a few slightly different variations of meaning. And in this case, it actually means more along the sides of, of being celebrated, that, that Mary now is one who is, should be celebrated, and that the child she's about to bear should also be celebrated. This is a time of rejoicing, the very first words that are said after she walks through the door. Blessed are you, celebrated are you, and, and celebrated is the child you should, you're, you're about to bear. And Mary's probably thinking, am I showing already? Like, how do you, how do you know this? Right? She's, but she's filled with the Spirit, and everything is revealed almost instantaneously. And we see this, this moment of, uh, of just, just celebration, that there's, there's, no, um, there's nothing standing in the way of the joy in this moment. I think that's so different than our culture today and really just kind of the human tendencies is we have a, we have a tendency to compare with one another. All right, and Elizabeth, who has been six months along in her pregnancy, probably got a lot of attention around the town. And what we know is that she was not just old, she was very old. Right, so this is a no disrespect to anyone here today. Uh, 
but old in this culture was 60 years old. All right. So she was probably 70, 75. She was well beyond this childbearing age, and, and people would have known, her family would have known that what's happening inside of Elizabeth is special. But immediately she recognizes what's happening inside of my young relative Mary is even more special and should be celebrated. See, we, we don't operate in that way often. We have this tendency to think, you know, why did that person get the job? I'm equally as qualified. Why do all the good things seem to happen to my sister or my brother? And there's this rivalry and this envy that seems to consume us. And that's nothing new. In fact, that's what you kind of come to expect even through all of the Old Testament is, is rivalry, even within family members and siblings. And this is part of uh, one of those moments where I, I probably took a deeper dive into the Christmas story than I, I needed to. But every year there's, there's new things that kind of pop up. And this, this is what really hit me this year, is that there's this genuine joy for this moment from Elizabeth with her relative Mary. And I started to think about all of the things in the Old Testament. It's just filled with people even hating each other simply because of comparison. And we're going to play a little game this morning. All right, I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to see if you can guess who these people are. The hint is that all of them have this, this theme of comparison and envy and hatred towards one another. All right, so this one's going to be the, the easiest one to start out with. I'm going to give you a, a hint. They're, they're brothers. And you have to go back pretty much all the way to the beginning. And it didn't end super well between them. All right, so who is it? Cain and Abel. Yep. And so Cain is the one. Uh, these are the, the sons of Adam and Eve. Cain is the one who was in charge of the fields, the vegetables. Abel, his brother, got to be in charge of the livestock. And they would give a, a portion of what they were responsible for to the Lord as an offering. And Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Cain's was rejected. Now, the real reason is because of the attitude of Cain's heart, because he was jealous of his brother. And he thought, why does God give him all the good things? Why do I just have the vegetables? And eventually, he murders him out of rage. Right? The world's first murder came because of comparison and envy. Now, skip forward a bunch of generations, and we're going to come to these two brothers. They're actually twin brothers. Jacob and Esau, you guys are good. You guys are good. Now, Esau probably was a lot hairier than this. Um, but you know, one was a mama's boy, one was a daddy's boy, one was the hunter-gatherer, the other one loved to, to cook and use spices. And Jacob was, the, you know, even in the womb, they were fighting against each other. And God said they would go on to be nations that would oppose each other. Jacob was the father of Israel. Uh, Esau was the father of the Edomites. And they're always fighting each other throughout the Old Testament. But it came through this jealousy and this comparison. Now, this is going to be a little bit tougher. They're sisters. And I'll tell you that they uh, are very closely related to one of the brothers from the last picture. Rachel and Leah, right? Rachel and Leah. And these are two that were always fighting and comparing with one another. And we know that, uh, that, that Rachel was really the one that Jacob wanted as the wife. Leah was the one that, that Jacob kind of got tricked into marrying. Okay, Jacob got a taste of his own medicine there by being deceived. 
But Rachel couldn't have children. Leah could for a long time. And she thought with every son, if I can just have a son for Jacob, maybe he'll love me instead of my sister. And it didn't work. They just kept getting more jealous of each other until finally she had Judah. And her, her, her perspective changed there when she had Judah. She started to find her identity in God and find contentment in God rather than contentment in this comparison. And when her attitude changed, she had this moment of thankfulness and gratitude that she had a son. And she said, this time I will praise the Lord. Right? So she's taking her mind off of this. And now we understand that this, this long time later, there's a Messiah being born inside of Mary who comes from who? The line of Judah, this son. And the cycle of comparison and envy and hatred is broken into this moment of peace and joy and contentment and all that God is choosing to do through whomever. That we get to be a part of the story at all is amazing. And she's saying, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Jesus is, is one who brings peace in every situation and even in this, historically, biblically, would have led to some sort of comparison and envy. But now there's this genuine joy and excitement. And I think that's a lesson for us in this season especially, is, is we have a tendency to continue to compare. Uh, I was out and about yesterday, and uh, I, I was going down the toy aisle at Mills Fleet Farm, which is, Mason was there, so he's gone with mom. You know, it's just, he's just enamored by all this. I'm trying to find them, and I walk by this, I think it's a grandma and a grandpa, with a shopping cart full of toys, and she has this list, and she's like, we have to make sure it's even this year, that they're all the same size and price and I think we have one for this kid at home already and she's got this like grid and and I heard her say we don't want a repeat of last year <laughs> right and I know a lot of you grandparents and parents are probably uh, going through the same thing right now it's a season that should be so full of joy and yet it comes down to why didn't I get that right and I need to apologize to uh, my potential future grandchildren because if I was those grandparents, if I was that grandpa, and I heard this, this uh, arguing over who got what, I'd say, you know what? All of you are getting an equally sized piece of coal next year for Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas and bah humbug, right? But here they are trying to make this joyous moment that can be robbed by comparison and envy. And even in the Christmas story, we have this beautiful moment of rejoicing from Elizabeth, knowing that what's happening in Mary is greater than what's happening in her. But praise be to God. Praise be to God. And she goes on to then another wonderful moment that you can kind of miss if you're not reading this carefully, that she then becomes the first report, recorded person to confess Jesus as Lord. She says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. She recognized Jesus as Lord just a few days old in the womb. And she knew exactly the significance of what has happened. 
And countless, uh, maybe millions of people have confessed Jesus as Lord since. And, and we know that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But she was the first. At least the first written. And she knew before she was even told because her son leapt for joy. And this goes to show that God accomplishes his purposes in amazing ways. John's purpose, John the Baptist, was to prepare the way for the Messiah and lead people to a saving faith and knowledge in Jesus. And he did that three months before he was born. It's amazing. It's this this point to know that what God is doing in you is way more important than what you can do for God. All of this is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in these people. That God has purposes for your life well beyond your own understanding and abilities. And so you trust in the power of God and rejoice in Him when He works. The last part of this song of Elizabeth is that she really exclaims the blessing uh, for Mary who believed God at His word. She trusted him. She had faith in him. All right, and this is one of those things that she has some personal experience with, at least through her husband, of not believing God at his word. Now, when the angel Gabriel uh, visited Zechariah, he was kind of, again, info-dumped with all of this stuff that's just like kind of crazy to hear at once. And then he says to the angel, how do I know that this is like, really true. Like, give me a sign, angel of the Lord, that's just appeared to me, that this is really going to happen. And that's when he was struck with silence for nine months until his son was born and named. All right? Mary didn't really have a question of if it was going to happen, but how. She believed it. And now, in that last line, verse 45, blessed is she who has believed in the Lord, that believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Okay, now the blessed word here is how we typically think of it. Favored, fortunate, right? And it's this reminder for all of us that, that faith is something uh, greater than us. Okay, and we often think of faith as this thing of, if I just believe hard enough in something, then I can change God's mind. Uh, he can give me what I truly want and desire, and then my life will be better. That's not how faith works, at least not biblically. That's something we've made up. What we understand about faith is it starts with knowing God, understanding his word and his promise in your life, and then having relentless faith that's going to happen despite our own understandings of the world. All right, And when you have faith like that, your life is blessed. Zechariah didn't have faith like that. And he's in a much different position than Mary is right now. And so Elizabeth is saying, blessed are you for believing in God at his word. See, otherwise we get into this uh, scenario, kind of like a lot of the Santa Claus movies. I think uh, Elf has this scenario. If you don't believe in Santa enough, right, his sleigh can't fly or he begins to disappear. That's not what happens with God. He doesn't need us to believe in him for him to exist for him to accomplish his purposes. Regardless of how little you believe in God, his will is going to be done either way. But when you believe in him, your life changes. When you have faith in him, your perspective changes of the world, and you're immensely more blessed. 
than if you live for yourself and for your own will. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Know God. Know his word and believe in it. And how do you know God and his word? You read it. You study it. You understand it. And the more you know his word, and the more you believe in it, the more blessed you'll be. That's an important point to leave off on, because we're about to transition to Mary's song. And if you, if you read this song, you know it's just packed full of scriptural references. A lot of stuff out of the Psalms, some things out of 1 Samuel, some things out of the prophets, some things out of Genesis. And it was clear that Mary knew her Bible. And consequently, she knew her God. And she took him at his word. And there's uh, the song we sing every year, Mary, Did You Know? Right? Yes. Okay, yes, she did. Now, did she know exactly what would happen and to what great extents? It's, it's possible, it's probable, probable, you know, she didn't. There's always a limit to our faith and understanding. But she knew what God was doing through her and how important it would be for the world. She knew. And so she has this moment. She knows God. She knows what he is doing. It's this, this song of praise. It's just, thank you, God, for what you're doing. And there's kind of three parts to this song. The first part is that she praises God for what he is doing through her. Just lowly old Mary. Right? And she says in the first three verses, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the hum- humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She glorifies God and recognizes her own humble, lowly estate in all this. Now, she was a great woman of faith, but this is kind of one of those moments of like, like, really, like me? God, you're choosing me? You didn't forget me in all of this? She wasn't powerful. She wasn't important. She wasn't even worthy of this. She was just a young woman pledged to marry a common carpenter. But God did not overlook her in her lowliness, meaning he did not forget her. In fact, he was incredibly mindful of her. And that shows us, really, that that God doesn't see people like we see people. We develop all of these metrics of what makes a person important or unimportant. It's those with great power and and influence and the celebrity status, which, by the way, celebrities are something we make up. We just determine who's important, and then we keep telling each other who's important, and then we just believe it. There's a lot of celebrities we care about that aren't even talented. They're not even good-looking. We just keep telling each other they're important, so we care about them. God doesn't look at people that way. All right? and, and his perception of who is important is, is much different. I just ask Mandy, one of the things that really annoys me, I do get annoyed by a few things. One of them is that when we're going grocery shopping or, or wherever at the checkout aisles, and you see that like, the tabloids and the magazines full of, you'll never guess 
who we got a picture of walking with so-and-so on the beach, and what kind of diet does this celebrity like, and, and, and guess what this person wore. It's like, I just could not care less. I couldn't, and I, I think it annoys me because they're, they're making millions of dollars off of, of people who all they want to know is the latest celebrity gossip. It's like they're just people. You know, God doesn't see people through that. And he sees this, this lowly woman who has great faith in God. And that's what matters to him, is that she knows God, she trusts God, and she obeys God. I'd love to see a magazine rack full of people like that. Right? People I want to look up to and live up to. But as we read, God is the mighty one. All right? And he knows exactly what matters about us, that Mary had this great faith in him. And because of that, she says, all generations will call me blessed. That the mighty one has done great things for me. So holy is his name. And we don't always talk about Mary, I, th- I think because we have somewhat of a knee-jerk reaction to like Catholicism and other faiths that might raise her up to a level that is higher than she should be among people. But she should be revered at a, to know that God chose her as the one to carry the Messiah. She was a very good woman. And because of that, all generations will call her blessed. But she makes it very clear, holy is his name. And what makes her special is not her, but what God chose to do through her. And that's the same for all of us, whether you're on a magazine cover or not. What makes us special is what God does through us. And for all of us, we can give him praise for what he's doing. Just take a moment and think about it once in a while. Reflect on it and give him praise. The second part of this song is that she opens up the scope a bit more that she's now praising God for what he's going to do for everybody who fears him. Especially verse 50, that his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And the word fear here, again, does not mean that you're like cowering under God. It doesn't mean you're afraid of him. This really means a step of reverence towards God. It's this humility before him to know that that he is God and I'm just a person. That you revere him as the the mighty one that does all great things. You know, we live in a world where it's easy to ask at times, did God forget me? Why does it seem like the evil people are always winning? Why does it feel I'm I'm never getting ahead? But what we read through this section of verse 50 through 53 He doesn't forget people, okay? God knows exactly what's going on, and he knows the ones who fear him, who revere him. In every generation, he knows who they are. And the fact is, is that God is a God of justice. He's also a God of great mercy, right? And anyone, no matter how good or evil they are, have experienced God's mercy in this life. Because the, the reality is that all of us don't deserve life itself, okay? Especially uh, those who are doing evil on the side of the Lord and, and rejecting him, right? The fact that they're still alive and breathing and have families and, and things in life means that God has a step of, uh, a hand of mercy for all people. But there's a, a special bit of mercy for those who fear him. 
She's praising him, knowing that this child she's carrying is a step of mercy to the whole world, but especially for those who will place their faith in him. God doesn't forget you. God knows exactly what's happened in your life and what's happened in the world. And every time it feels like you're losing, or you've been forgotten, just continue to fear God, to do what you know is right, to live in faith and obedience to him. And God's going to work out all of those things in the end. And the reality is he, he kind of already has. He's given us the gift of his son because of his great love and mercy. And the last part of this is really that a praise just for that, that idea that she praises God for his great mercy and faithfulness through all the generations. In verses 54, 55, that he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. Right now, if you know Israel's history, you understand that they continually kind of tested the limits of God's grace and forgiveness. And there's always a faithful remnant of them that were, that were you know, faithful to God, that, that operated in godliness, but for, for the most part, the nation was just kind of all over the place. They're continuously forgetting God, rebelling against God, wandering from him, and yet God remained faithful to them. That no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't outrun his mercy. And his forgiveness. You know, the same is, is true for us, right? That all of us have sinned and fall short of the, of the glory of God, that we don't deserve any of this stuff, but his mercy is greater than our sin, that he spared us from these things. Why? Because he promised he would. That God's faithfulness goes far beyond what we could ever imagine. And if we were God, we would have given up on these people. We would probably give up on ourselves a long time ago. And yet he continues to offer this mercy and faithfulness to his people. Now, if you're a believer in Christ today, it means you're grafted into the family of Israel. It's, it's talking about us as well, the church here, that he remembered us. That from generation to generation, he continues to remember and offer mercy. I think that's maybe another point I came to in the Christmas story this year, knowing through this perspective that, that God's mercy and faithfulness is what made it happen, is that so often we, we take this whole Jesus being born as a baby in a manger to become the sacrifice of the world for all their sins, we take that for granted. It's like, yeah, it just kind of happened. And like, we deserved it, right? Like, because we exist. No. No, none of us deserve any of what happened here. The fact that Jesus came like he did and, and for the reason he did, it's, it's all such an incredible act of mercy from God on us and the whole world for anyone who would believe. It just took me like a, a full day to kind of like let that settle. Like, it's incredible what God did. That's kind of how uh, Mary is ending her song. Wow, God, like you, you really did. Stay merciful. You didn't forget us, even in our rebellion. And you did everything exactly as 
you promised. The Christmas story is the fulfillment of one of the greatest promises ever given to mankind. And it should just put this sense of awe and wonder into us that God, like, he really did it. And he continues to live on and in and through us today. And the perspective we get from Mary's song really is, is that she was the one chosen to carry the Son of God, not because she deserved it, but because God chose her. Because God showed mercy upon her and mercy upon all of us. And it's only God who can do such wonderful things. None of us deserve this. And only God should, should uh, receive the praise for it. And so in conclusion, you know, what do we learn from these two songs of Christmas today, these two voices of Christmas? Well, the first is this. Uh, believe what God tells you. Okay, it's natural to kind of wrestle with these things and, and kind of wonder how he's going to do it, but believe that he's going to do it. God has never been a liar. Okay, you can trust God at his word. And as you know him and you know his promises, have faith that he will do what he says he's going to do. And if you have faith, your life is going to be incredibly blessed. Right? Your perspective is going to change. And you're, going to, you're not changing God's will, but God's will changes you, right? And you're going to see the world in a whole new lens that leads towards great joy and praise. And then take a moment to just kind of celebrate all God is doing. We're so busy, we forget to just reflect and have joy and celebration in these moments. There's incredible blessings around you and in you right now that you might be missing if you're not taking a moment to really see the greater picture of what God is doing. Live with your eyes and your heart open, especially in this season. Okay, celebrate what God is doing. And remember that all of this is because of God's great grace and mercy, every single bit of it. All right, so take a moment to just humble yourself before God, to revere him as Lord and glorify him for all that he's done. Let's take a moment to pray as we close today. God, we are just so thankful uh, to be considered yours, to be considered your children, to have a, a God that is so faithful and, and gracious and merciful God, we, we really, uh, even as we try to understand uh, what that means, we still never fully understand the extent of how you've been faithful and merciful in our lives. So we just all take a moment to say thank you. Thank you, God. Holy is your name. And in this Christmas story, we see through these two, two mothers, really uh, kind of seeing everything come together, that it just came out in a way of celebration and praise. May that be our attitude uh, this Christmas season as we gather later this week as families, as a church again on Friday, as we celebrate your, your birth. May we just really truly have this joy and this praise for all you've done, knowing it's nothing to do with us, but everything to do with your mighty hand and your power. So God, may you just receive all the glory this season as we become your voices of Christmas in this season, may we point people to you. And we pray all these things, Lord, with such gratitude and thanks for all you've done.
pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.